Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Empowered Birth Podcast. I am super excited to introduce my friend Anna to you. I had the honor and privilege of being her doula at her birth. She was so gracious to come on and share her story. I just want to say birth stories are sacred. They're a part of who we are as women, and they stay with us the rest of our lives. They really do matter. So when a story is shared, it takes courage. And I encourage all of you listening today to honor this story as you would your own. Now, Anna's story is one of infertility struggles, changed plans, and ultimately empowerment. You will be absolutely amazed at how she went from home birth plans to navigating the hospital system like a complete boss. (laughs) This is such a fun interview, and I can't wait for you to hear it. And your story matters too. On December 6th at 8.15 p.m. Central Time, we will be having a birth story sharing session in my private group on Patreon. And it's because of Patreon that I can keep doing this podcast. So thank you to all my supporters. I really, truly appreciate it. And if you want to support this podcast as well as get extra support and content, you can join Patreon for just $3 per month. So go to patreon.com slash empoweredbirthpodcast. All right. I hope you love this story as much as I do. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Empowered Birth Podcast. I'm Allie McLean, registered nurse, home birth doula, and former feminist. My mission is to guide you into the freedom that is God's design for femininity, birth, and motherhood. There's a movement happening of powerful women uniting around finding out God's best for us. You're going to find information here that you won't find in your basic childbirth education class. You'll hear stories of women and birth professionals who are experiencing the redeeming experience that birth can be. You're going to get all the information you need to confidently navigate your way from pregnancy to postpartum and beyond. Are you ready to go on a Holy Spirit-empowered adventure? Then stick around. You're exactly where you should be. Hi, and welcome back to the Empowered Birth Podcast. Today, I'm super excited to share my friend Anna with you. She's here actually in person, and I haven't done an in-person interview in a really long time. So it's really fun to have her right next to me. Say hi, Anna. Hello. (laughs) I'm excited to hear her story from her point of view. I don't think that we've really gone in depth too far after mm-hmm. I, I came over postpartum, we chatted a little bit, but I'm excited to hear like the whole story after you've processed it and your point of view. So what was it like when you first found out that you were pregnant? It was shocking and absolutely amazing. My husband and I had gone through seven years yeah. of wanting to be pregnant and it not happening. And so I think you were one of the first people that I (laughs) texted and called after I got a positive pregnancy test and said, Allie, it's positive. (laughs) So it was pretty um, sure I cried. Yes. I think we both cried. I think I cried for about 24 hours straight. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) 
Yes. So it was absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. Probably maybe two weeks in, I started having some bloody show. So of course the nerves came with Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I remember talking with you about that too, and just was informed that it was a waiting game, that there was nothing you could really do, but just wait and see. And of course, everything was fine and carried our little son till his delivery. (laughs) Yeah. I vaguely remember. So correct me if I'm wrong, but did you not take a pregnancy test or did you like wait super long to take a pregnancy test? So I waited like several days after, I think it was two or three days after I was supposed to start. Because after seven years, you get used to taking it the day you're supposed to start or even a couple days after you're supposed to start and you get negative tests. Mm -hmm. And I think I even remember telling you, I don't want to take a test because I want to hope and imagine that I'm Mm -hmm. pregnant. And so that was something for me too. Even the two days before I took the test, I was able to live in this in-between of even if I'm not pregnant, I can imagine I'm pregnant. And so I was really quite shocked when it actually was positive, but of course got to that point of, I don't care if it's positive or negative. I just am ready to know. Yeah. Wow. That is a, did your intuition tell you that you were pregnant at all? Um, There, I had a very strong dream the night before I finally took the pregnancy test that I got a positive pregnancy (gasps) test. And it was, it was really vivid. And I remember waking up, I think it was a Friday morning that I took it. And I remember waking up early and just being like, okay, I'm going to go do it. You know, (laughs) I think there was a part of me just very strongly feeling like I was, but I was afraid to hope that I was. Yeah. That's, that's a big deal. Wow. Well, can you tell me how you decided to have a home birth? Was that something you had always kind of planned on and I mean we'll get deeper into the story yeah and it's a great story you guys I like <laughs> I love your story so much Thank you. um so yeah tell us kind of what was your thought process behind who you're gonna choose to be with you or the location mm-hmm. what all was mm-hmm. that like for you mm-hmm. so my mom actually had a home birth with my youngest sibling so I guess in a way I was familiar with home birth and it just seemed very normal and natural in my world. And so I guess, and when you have seven years to think about about. (laughs) and dream about how you want your labor to be and Mm -hmm. where you want it to be, I guess you have some time to solidify exactly what you want. And so in a way, home birth was natural. I honestly don't, and normal, I don't think I ever really thought that I would do anything differently. Mm -hmm. We were raised on a farm, so we were around birth with animals. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just very normal watching the animals give birth. And yeah, my oldest sister also had had a home birth. So it was in my world. It was something that Mm -hmm. I was very aware of and it was normal. And so I always knew that I wanted a home birth. Mm -hmm. And then of course, meeting you and our friendship, Mm -hmm. I knew when the day (laughs) came that I wanted you as my doula. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that was a very easy 
decision in that way. And yeah, just the connections of building who I wanted there. Yeah, so fun. So a question I get a lot from women who want to have a home birth is, oh, I really want a home birth, but my husband really isn't Mm. on board Mm. with that. Was that your experience or what was that like when you were talking to your husband? I don't remember exactly when I was talking to him, but there was a point in our marriage that I think I mentioned it. And thankfully my husband had grown up around or he knew of people who had home births. Mm. And I think even his mom had had a home birth or two. And so when I mentioned it or what was his opinion, if we ever had a home birth, I think he said something like, well, that I just thought that's what we would do. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was very lucky in yes. that, in that sense that I did not really have a husband who ever brought those fears in. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. he just thought that's what I thought you would want to do. I sure. thought that's what we would plan on doing. We were planning on doing when the day came. So yeah, yeah. man. So Let's just get right into it. So mm-hmm. how far along were you when you went into labor? What was that like? What all happened? Yeah. Break it, it down for yes. us. <laughs> Let's just say you can plan and sometimes it still doesn't go mm-hmm. how you have it planned. Mm-hmm. I believe it was just shy of 37 weeks when my water broke. It broke early one morning in bed. In fact, I woke up to a Charlie horse and I went from a Charlie horse in my leg to water Mm. broke. So I guess I didn't really have one, you know, feelings one way or the other. Um, I was very close to 37 weeks. So that didn't bother me. I didn't feel like I was premature. I guess I questioned if it was full water breaking or if like it was just a good gush. And then it was leaking. That was probably the biggest thing since labor didn't start right away. Then I was like, was that really totally my water breaking or not? And yeah, I guess I just expected when labor was ready to start, it would start and just multiple days went by Mm -hmm. and labor wasn't starting. Mm -hmm. How many days was it? It was four days, four days. And what were those days like for you? You had a protocol that you kind of Yes. Yeah, so like we were watching, taking my temperature. We were being very careful, of course, nothing up there, nothing around it. I mean, I was washing hands before and after using the restroom, doing lots of different herbs. Mm-hmm. You know, we were just very aware, checking the baby every day. You know, I was very conscious of movement, mm-hmm. did, you know, I think every, what, Did I feel that everything was okay? Was the baby moving? Um, So yeah, it was just, I mean, we were very aware, but also through that time, I very much trusted that my body and my baby were working together and Mm -hmm. they knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime during that time, like, I guess, what was your thought process during that? Because the belief is if you don't have a baby in 24 hours after your water breaks, then you you are in danger and the baby needs to come out like right away. Right. Well, you went four days Mm -hmm. and you and baby are fine, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you have a healthy little one. So I guess, did you have to battle any of those thoughts, I guess, during those four days or what was that like for you? I think there were a couple conversations that I had with 
my birth attendant that were just like, okay, this is what the research says, you know, like, this is what could happen. This is what could happen. You know, we were very much checking in with each other. How are you still feeling? Mm -hmm. Are you still comfortable with this? I guess once again, with the information that I had tried to just take in leading up to and the years before, like, I had heard of many scenarios of women's waters rupturing prematurely and it taking several days for them for Mm -hmm. labor to start. So I guess I wasn't too nervous. Honestly, I did kind of wonder like, when is this going to start or why hasn't it started? Mm -hmm. But I don't really feel like I had fear for what is normal. Sure. As far as you need to go into labor and you need to get this baby Mm -hmm. out. You didn't feel that pressure. No, I did not feel that pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure approaching birth, not feeling that pressure probably was a lot. Yes. Put you in a healthier place. Yes. I I still very much felt like this was my decision. Mm. And of course, talking with it with my husband, Mm. but it was still our decision as far as each day moving forward. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So you get to day four. What happens on day four? So day four, of course, we were checking the baby every day. And I guess I can't totally remember if this was day three or day four, technically, but somewhere around that time, the birth attendant or assistant had gotten just one lower heart rate reading when checking the baby. And we were just like, hmm, that's curious. Like we haven't gotten that at all. And so it was just something to take note of. And so then I requested like if a Doppler could be left with Mm -hmm. me in case I wanted to check it at all throughout the day. And that was totally fine. And so I think it got to the evening of that day and I didn't want to check the heart rate Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I was just like, if it's not totally normal, and I don't know that, but I think it was definitely intuition. Yeah. Of, you started feeling yes, something. Like, I just need to check it before mm-hmm. we go to bed. I mean, he had definitely still moved that day, but it just did seem different mm-hmm. from his pattern. So checked it multiple times and it was just lower than what we were comfortable with it being. And so my birth attendant recommended, like, I think it'd be a good idea to just go into the hospital and be monitored, see how the baby is doing. And so, of course, that was not our plan. Mm -hmm. And yes, I am a procrastinator. And no, I did not have a hospital bag packed at all (laughs) or anything like that. And so threw some stuff together and headed to the hospital. Thankfully, there were just some different connections that we were able to have behind the scenes and actually we were able to talk to an OB doctor associated with a specific hospital. And so she was kind of able to get us an inroad that they knew we were coming in. They knew that my water had been broken for a couple of days. And so that really was a blessing. We didn't have to end up going through the whole ER mm-hmm. and that explanation. It was that we were able to go right to labor and delivery mm-hmm. to 
be monitored. Which makes a huge difference. Yeah. And yeah where we live, it's kind of um, the continuity of care is extremely mm-hmm. lacking it is. for home birth parents. And that is just a very hard thing. Like as parents, when we decide we want to birth at mm-hmm. home, we expect the same kind of care mm-hmm. that any woman deserves. Mm-hmm. And yet we do not get that. Yes. And that is a very sad thing. It so, is so sad. I am so grateful that there are providers out there who mm-hmm. will give us the support and mm-hmm. the and the care that we need mm-hmm. if we needed to transfer mm-hmm. in. Yeah. And it's just hard finding them, but it we're is. thankful they're out there. Yes. So because yes. going straight to the ER when you're not planning on going to the hospital, you have to explain everything. Mm-hmm. That's just it's a like a layer of trauma mm-hmm. that you just yes. don't want to have yes. to deal with. So yes. that was it was such a God thing too. Mm-hmm. I think just how mm-hmm. he like laid it all out. Absolutely. I mean, I just remember walking in and going, you know, we're together. I met you there, mm-hmm. I think, and going up to labor and delivery and like Christian music was playing. And I was like, That's okay. right. Yeah. Like we're going to be okay. <laughs> I forgot that detail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just little things along the way where it's like you were so respected. And mm-hmm. so, what was that process like? You go into labor and delivery. What all happened? Because it was a it was a lot of decision making that it was to happen. After yeah. That. So what was that like for you guys? Um, I think I kind of almost just went into autopilot in mm-hmm. a way. Like I knew that I was just going to have to really stand up for what I wanted, even though I knew it most likely from this point wasn't going to look like the home birth that I had dreamed of and planned for. But I think I was still very determined to really be within my power of like, this is still my decision ultimately on the steps we go forward Mm -hmm. from here. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we got up there, started monitoring the baby. Of course, they're asking questions. Baby was fine, which I you know, I really wasn't paying attention once they got me on the monitor, but I remember catching an eye with you mm-hmm. and both my husband and you were both like, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> You're all good. It's all good. good. <laughs> so yeah, that's where it kind of went into decision-making because I wasn't opposed to being induced. Of course, they started talking about that right away, but then they also like said they couldn't induce me until they had confirmed that it was my water breaking Mm -hmm. and which I questioned. (laughs) But there were certain things at that point that I wanted to be respectful of them as well. And there were certain things that I was willing to say, okay, yeah, do that. And then there were certain things that I was just going to be like, no, I'm not Mm -hmm. okay with that. So I did consent to them, of course, doing the swab, even though I was like, nothing has been up there until Mm -hmm. this moment. So that I knew it was kind of almost a point of no return for me. Because once they did that, I was just kind of like, okay, I feel like the baby does need to come now. Uh And I remember them talking very seriously with me, the things that could happen from your water breaking prematurely. And I just remember saying, thank you. I appreciate that information. Mm -hmm. I'm fully aware. And then at one point, the, one of the residents asked me what exactly were some of the things I wanted that I had chosen. 
a home birth? Oh, that was a good question. It was. It was a very good question for her to ask. And I respect her a lot for yeah. asking it. Because she wasn't completely, from what I remember, she's like, you're kind of crazy. Yes. But like, because you had said no a lot. Maybe not no a lot, but you were questioning everything. Yes. You weren't the typical compliant patient who just rolled over and like did whatever they told you to Mm -hmm. do. You questioned everything, Mm -hmm. which automatically puts you in power. Yes. The person who's asking the questions is the person with power. And that was you. Yes. And they're not used to that. So it was a very astute question for her to like. It was. She was very emotionally intelligent at that moment. It was. And I think to back up for a moment, I I do think there was a point before I said, yeah, go ahead and do the swab to see if my water, I mean, I was at this point fully uh, convinced that my water had broken on Monday (laughs) and it's now Friday. Um, And, you know, we just took time and, and you helped us walk through like, these are your options. Mm -hmm. And, or maybe this was after they had done that. And I remember us praying about it and, you know, I remember getting done and, and a part of me still wanted to go home. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. A part of me wanted to go home, but then I knew like, you know what, if his heart rate drops again at home, then we're coming back in here. And Uh like, it just, I knew my heart of hearts that probably it wasn't the wisest, you know, move. And, and my husband said, you know, I feel more comfortable if we just stay and induce. So, and I remember you uh, saying, I think you looked at me and you said, that's pretty profound, Anna. I think you should listen to your husband. (laughs) So, well, okay. So this is what happened. (laughs) Okay. So it was just a time of confusion, right? Yes. Like everybody was just confused. We knew what we wanted. Yes. And I remember your husband saying, like, I just want to break you out of here. Like he literally wanted yes. to like take you and take you out of the hospital. Yes. He was so uncomfortable there. Yeah. Didn't want to be there. Yes. He's like, We're done. We're going home. And and I'm like, yeah, sure. A hospital breakout. Like, I'm all good at that. <laughs> I can get on board. But, but it just was a moment where it was like, okay, well, we're at a point where we don't mm-hmm. know what to do. Mm-hmm. So we're going to ask the one who does know what mm-hmm. to do. And so it was just a really sweet time of like all three of us praying. Well, yes. we just bowed our head and like Aaron led that. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. And So as we were praying, I just felt like the Lord was impressing on each one of our hearts in agreement of like what should happen. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, nobody wanted to say it. And Mm -hmm. so at that point it was, okay, Aaron, like somebody's going to have to Mm -hmm. make the decision here. Mm -hmm. And typically when a decision like this needs to be made, Mm -hmm. um, like it's best that the husband just leads Mm -hmm. in this decision. Mm -hmm. And it's a hard decision. Mm -hmm. But I think it was. And I know from talking to him, like after the fact, there were even times later on, like when they were trying to get my IV in Mm -hmm. and it just wasn't going well. He was just like, I would, you know, I questioned it. I questioned it. Yeah. You know, because he's like, I saw what you were having to go through. So sometimes what God tells us to do isn't always the easy thing to do. No. And it wasn't easy. No, it wasn't. No. It's not what you wanted, and it was hard. Yeah. 
All right, it's time for me to share about one of my amazing sponsors. So moms out there listening, are you tired of overpacking that heavy diaper bag every time you leave the house? Some of those bulky diaper bags hold more than you could ever need in like three lifetimes. There are things lost in the bottom of the abyss that you may never find again. Just the other day, I found my chapstick finally at the bottom of my diaper bag. I thought I had lost that forever. So I want to tell you about the baby bum bag by Diddy Co. This was made by moms for moms. It's a beautifully styled green waist bag with gold styling that holds everything you need for being on the go with baby. You can ditch your heavy diaper bag and wear the stylish beanie pack instead. This baby bomb bag has matching diaper changing pad that fits perfectly inside. It's a fun palm leaf print. I love it. Has space for three to four diapers, travel wipes, and diaper cream. Plus, it has enough room for all the mom necessities, you know, like the sunglasses, phone, wallet, and small snacks. Everything you need for you and your baby will fit right on your hip, so you can be hands-free with all of your baby essentials within easy reach. Simplify your life and your diaper bag so you can enjoy the journey. Check out the Baby Bomb Bag at DiddyCo.com. That's D-I-T-T-Y-C-O.com. You will love simplifying your life and looking fashionable while you do it. But my goodness, I've never seen someone advocate so freaking well in my entire life. And I was just so proud of you for asking those questions. Mm -hmm. So after it was decided, you know, okay, we're going to go forward. We're going to say and get induced. What happened from there? Because So when the doctor had asked what I wanted for home birth, I had said that I wanted to catch my own baby and that I wanted to deliver my placenta. And I remember her laughing (laughs) and she said, okay. And then she said, well, you'll be too busy with your baby to deliver your own placenta. And I just, I was honest with her. She asked, I, I thought you asked, I'll, I'll give the answer. So it was a good question from her. And so then we decided to go ahead and start Pitocin and you went ahead and headed home. Mm -hmm. And let's see, I think just kind of in between the doctor wanted to check for sure that it was head down. I had not had an ultrasound up to this point. So I told her, okay, you can put the probe on there, check if it's head down and that's it. And she did. Mm -hmm. And then when we went down to labor and delivery, she came in. I don't remember exactly the timeline, but at some point she came in again and she said, I just found it a little interesting that it's like, they almost tried to keep using, we can't induce you unless. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And like ultimatums. Yes. All right. So that's how we operate. (laughs) Yes. So she came in again and said, if you're not 37 weeks, we cannot induce you. So I need to check gestationally if you're 37 weeks. Even if your water broke? Yeah. That's what she said. Interesting. Yeah. And so I said, hmm. Oh, and she wanted to check where my placenta was. I said, well, I know exactly where my placenta is. And she says, you do? How? 
And I said, because we listened to it. <laughs> and she said, okay. So then I just said, hmm. I said, if you want to find out gestation, I said, that is a head measurement, a stomach measurement, and a thigh <laughs> measurement, correct? And she goes, yes. And I said, okay. I said, how long would that take you? And she said, oh, I could get it done in 15 minutes. Well, I know that you could possibly get an entire anatomy scan done mm -hmm. in 15 minutes and that those three measurements probably take more like three minutes tops, mm -hmm. especially if you're experienced and the baby's, you know, full term. And so I just wasn't comfortable with that. I just said, you know what, you can put the probe on there and see where the placenta is. I said, but I am confident and I assure you, and I know you have to take my word on this, but I am 37 weeks. Mm -hmm. And she said, okay. And so she put the probe where I had said the placenta was. And she goes, what do you know? It's exactly where you said it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So Pitocin started, really didn't have any contractions right off the bat. I think I was just really wrestling uh -huh. with being in the hospital. I was really, really fighting it. I even remember texting you at one point, and I don't even remember exactly what I said. But I think you basically just said, you need to just buckle down. Like, this is what you are faced with right now. And so you just need to focus on delivering this baby in the hospital and kind of like you can process it later. It was a hard processing. It, yes. was, a, it was a hard doula. Like, come yes. on. Yeah. It wasn't. It and wasn't. it was exactly <laughs> what I needed to hear. Cause I remember it like flipped in my mind and wow. it was like, it was, it was yeah. exactly what I mm -hmm. needed to hear because it was just like, okay, you can't quit having the pity party, mm. but you aren't getting exactly what you wanted. And you're not at home, but you can do this, focus, get it done. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was just several hours at the hospital of my husband and I. And um, then when the Pitocin kicked in, it kicked in hardcore. Yes, it did. Very quickly. <laughs> very quickly. And I think it went very quickly from not really even being able to talk through them and I knew Allie was going to be coming back. And I said something to my husband, like, when is she going to be here? <laughs> it, was, it was less than an hour from when you texted. Yes. Awesome. No, I think it was probably more like a half oh hour. But yeah, you got there quickly, but it did kick in very fast. And yes, I remember having lots of doubts whether I could do this mm -hmm. or not. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But it was, oh man, I mean, you were, you were relaxing during everyone. You were in complete control. It was hard. Yes. And you were on Pitocin, which I'm like, girl, anybody who labors on Pitocin without anything is like crazy yeah. strong. But I, I never, know. I d didn't know anything else. Yeah. I do remember, you know, because I've seen several births and been present at several different births. So I remember naming a few people being like, I made this look yeah, way too easy. <laughs> you did say that. I'm like, that's because they didn't have Pitocin. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So we just kind of labored together, but it was, it was pretty quickly from the time I got there to the time I actually, I had to leave, mm -hmm. which is 
crazy because mm-hmm. I've never had to leave a birth before. Mm-hmm. And then it was you and I felt so bad, but I'm like, that's the hard part about being a doula. And I'm still having to wrestle with it every day. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I'm going to put God first, my family next, and then my work. And mm-hmm. that is like the hardest thing for me to have to do. And that's a, like a whole other story with, you know, maybe mm-hmm. I'll have to talk about it on mm-hmm. a podcast sometime, mm-hmm. but all that to say you labored beautifully. And do you want to talk about kind of like the guardian angel that mm-hmm. was with you? Yeah. So we started out through the night shift. And so on the night shift, we had one nurse and then about, I think seven o'clock in the morning was when they switched over. And I knew that was going to be happening. And just from a couple different births, I was present at I know that nurses can really make a huge difference in the labor you get. And so I remember the nurse switching out and the nurse that came in was just kind of quiet from my perspective and just was doing what she needed to do. And she left the room. And I remember saying to my husband, I can't quite get a read on her. And of course, I was saying these things in between contractions. (laughs) And he said, yes, likewise. And so I remember when she came back in the room for the second time, I just said her name and I introduced myself and I said, you know, it's nice to meet you. I was just trying to get a little feel. You were like the nicest, most non-compliant patient (laughs) ever. Good. There's a big difference. Let me tell you, because there, if you are nice and kind and thoughtful Mm. and respectful people want to be nice kind Mm -hmm. thoughtful and respectful Mm -hmm. back to you Mm -hmm. and I saw that like yeah from that so yeah like I was just very strong and I knew what I wanted but I also wanted to be nice about it like you're not gonna get anywhere but you were strong yeah like no but this is how it is but thank you so much for what you do but still like this is how it's gonna be (laughs) that is so true I do remember (laughs) saying many times thank you thank you for letting me know And so the nurse just said, hi, Anna, it's nice to meet you. You know, I want you to know that I'm training to be a CNM and I am not intimidated at all that you are a home birth transfer. And I think I started crying, like just the absolute peace. And then she said, I will do everything I can to give you the labor you want. And I just get chills Mm -hmm. as I'm sitting here because it was, I can't, I mean, it was, it was a guardian angel. Mm -hmm. It was God knowing the desires of my heart, Mm -hmm. even though I wasn't getting exactly what I wanted or had dreamed Mm -hmm. that I would get. Mm -hmm. And so she did, she was the, I'm sure biggest advocate for us. And I'm sure she fought for us in ways that I will never even know. So, you know, there were all the things of continuous monitoring. She worked with me to get on a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a remote continuous monitoring. And yeah, there were more times that the doctors would come in I, of course, it spread very quickly that I wanted to catch my own baby. So (laughs) the new doctor for that morning came in and said, are you sure you want to catch your own baby? (laughs) She said, 
being a first time mother, like you can tear and I know you want to support your perineum, but are you sure you don't want me to support your perineum? (laughs) And of course she's talking and doing all of this during contractions. I don't know how she ever thinks we're listening, but I remember after the contraction was over and she left the room, I just said very loudly to my husband, and she thinks she can support my perineum better than I can. (laughs) And I remember just thanking her. I said, yes, thank you. I'm sure I want to catch my own baby. If I change my mind, I will let you know. I'm sure that was probably the shortest that I was any of the times just Mm -hmm. because I was in the middle of a contraction Mm -hmm. and they were coming on top of each other. And they also, oh, that was the other big thing. I did not want any cervical checks Mm -hmm. and they were having a really hard time with that. They were like, really? Like you don't even want to check so we can know where you are right now. And I said, no. And there were several other times that they came in asking if they could check. And I said, no. And they tried to say, well, if you push too soon, you could rip your cervix and then those bleed really, really bad. And once again, I said, I'm aware of that. Thank you. And I just trusted my body. Mm -hmm. I trusted my body that it would tell me Mm -hmm. when I needed to push. Mm -hmm. And I was actually surprised how early on I definitely could feel him low. Mm -hmm. And I knew it wasn't time to push, but boy, did I get kind of, you know, grunty and blowing through a few. And so I was willing to listen to my body and trust it. Yeah. It was amazing to watch. I mean, that baby just kept getting lower and lower Mm -hmm. and there was, you were totally listening to your body. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a, oh my gosh, I have to get this over with that a lot of first time moms do. It's just, okay, I'm going to listen. I'm going to push a little bit and then stop. Mm -hmm. And like, I know this baby, I know my Mm -hmm. body. And it was so cool and so that baby got lower and lower Mm -hmm. and lower Mm -hmm. and then I had to leave I know (laughs) like right as I sit with seeing the baby's head (laughs) yeah I waited until the last possible minute yes but you even felt the baby's head didn't you I think I don't remember you I at saw, least saw it, it I and I think you told me to feel it. I think that's what it was. Yes. Yeah, because I was like, the baby's head is right there. Yes. And so at that point, we kind of did a little doula switch. Yes. And so the birth attendant was able to be your doula. Yes. And that was such a blessing. It was. Because you got, I mean, not, yeah. Yeah. It just to like kind of give a final glimpse. So yeah, I was definitely pushing when you left Uh and I was so grateful, like shortly before he was born and I was starting to push, like I was on the bed on my knees and then you were like, do you want to move? And I remember being like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And so then we had the rebozo over my husband's shoulders mm-hmm. and I was just standing on the floor. And then when I needed to push, I would squat down holding onto the rebozo with my hands and then my husband standing and supporting me. And I remember thinking like you would push and push and push and you could feel him coming down and then you would stop and he would come back up. Mm-hmm. And so I never panicked that he wasn't going to come. It was just, how do you get to the point of him arriving and crowning. Mm -hmm. And so when 
the doula switch happened, I remember it was, you know, I was pushing and it was intense. And I remember the second doula coming in and just being like, you have a lot of energy going up because mm. I was holding on to that rebozo with both of my sure. hands. And she just said, all that energy you have going up, have that come down. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was exactly what I needed to hear the, just, I could visualize it. And I did, I just started putting all that energy in downward and it was not long before he was crowning. And I remember at one point being like, how long is he going to crown? Cause you're just breathing and breathing and breathing through that. And you just feel like, Oh, it cannot stretch any farther. And I was squatting kind of one knee on the floor, one knee in the air. And I was prepared to catch him. Like there was never a thought in my mind that I couldn't catch him or I wouldn't catch him, which Mm -hmm. I kind of attribute to being at your birth and seeing you catch your daughter. Mm -hmm. And that just helped me be able to visualize Mm -hmm. what needed to happen and that it was possible. (laughs) And so when he was actually delivered... (laughs) I'm not sure how it happened, but the only people in the room were myself, my husband, and the doula. Yes. (laughs) And I just feel like that's another miracle. It was a miracle. I mean, so many miracles. Nobody was in the room. Yes. And and you cry your own. Yes. Yes. I wasn't even on the bed. You weren't even on the bed. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, and of course, right after he was born, everyone rushed in. And I do remember, like, I think I made them even a little bit uncomfortable after he was born because here I'm on the floor. They don't know what to do with me. I'm still totally in control because I'm sitting on the floor and (laughs) my son is on my chest. And of course, to me, it seemed like just a couple minutes that we were on the floor talking to my husband and the doula after the fact. They're like, oh, you were probably on the floor for like 10 minutes. You were <laughs> making them a little nervous. They didn't know what they could do or what they should do. And <laughs> you're like, no, I'm fine. You don't need to take my baby. You don't well, need to yeah, it was baby. just, like, it was good. just, I was still, I was protecting that moment. I was protecting that moment, the moment that you can't get back right after your child is born. (laughs) Wow. Oh, man. What a story. So then you got back up on the bed. Placenta was born. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you want to say about that? That definitely, of course, is something that I look back and I wish that I could still have control over. I am was kindly reminded at one point, like at that point, Anna, you couldn't have control over that too. It didn't go as I wanted it to. If I have trauma, Mm -hmm. like that's where it is, is Mm -hmm. just in the placenta delivery. Mm -hmm. And I look forward to down the road when that can Mm -hmm. be different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but I do also think like there were many things like, cord cutting didn't happen until way later. Like I wanted just because of those moments that we had on the floor, you know, so it's kind of, there are times too, where I'm like, what are you going to, are you going to nitpick on the one Mm -hmm. thing that you didn't get exactly how you wanted? Or are you going to look at all the God things that you did get that everyone who heard about your birth in the hospital after the fact said, 
no, you don't realize this doesn't happen. It does not happen. It does not happen. And, but it did. It did. But it did because, yes, I think the Lord was in it. It was going before you had planned so much of, you know, how it was going to work out. But, like, you were fully responsible for your birth. Mm -hmm. You were educated about your birth. And you are confident in you and your baby's ability to birth. Mm -hmm. And like most women go in and they don't have any of Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. None of that. And so, of course, it doesn't happen because, you know, Mm -hmm. they weren't in in that spot, I guess. Yeah. I guess for me, when I think about it often, if there was something I would say and just talking to other women, like... Your birth is your story. Mm. But if I could just impart one thing to women, know, know that you can decide and you can stand up for the birth you desire. You can ask those questions. You can say no. You can say no. I'm not comfortable with that or no, you can't do that. Like, you are in control. This is your baby, your body, your birth. So good. I mean, we all need that pep talk once in a while. Yeah. Like, seriously, I mean, we need a reminder because who are we answering to? Whose story is this? It's our story. Yeah. They don't remember. Oh, yeah. no, no, they remember your birth. <laughs> they remember. Not, I think you did probably do. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they had to do a peer review about that birth. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> How did you let this happen? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much, Anna, for coming in. I just think stories are so important. And I'm really excited in Patreon. We're going to be sharing birth stories coming up. So awesome. Can't wait for y'all to join patreon.com slash empowered birth podcast. And I hope that you can come on and share a little bit more of your postpartum experience and just some wisdom on like how to stand up. Like Mm -hmm. if you do have to transfer, if you do end up having a hospital birth, how can you make it your Mm -hmm. own? Absolutely. I think that's so amazing. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah.